Welcome to the Dietitian's Dish Podcast. We are Gina and Nicole, two dietitian mamas and good friends living in Ohio and Michigan. This is a podcast dedicated to making whole family wellness more fun and less stressful. Whether you're listening in the car or slumped on the couch with a glass of wine, welcome. Everyone, thanks for joining us. I'm Gina. And I'm Nicole. And today we are dishing about our paths to becoming a registered dietitian and a bit on the differences between an RD or a registered dietitian and a nutritionist. But first, let's do some catching up. Nicole, what's new in your life? What's new? Um, not a whole lot. It's if there's nothing, that's fine. There's nothing. There's nothing <laughs> new. Um okay. okay, here's something good though. So it's okay. It's we're at we're past the winter solstice. So the days are getting longer. Yes, that is definitely a positive. I feel like I haven't seen the sun since I was in Cancun. And that's not even that long ago. And saying Cancun, I also realized that I swear I'm turning into Cana- a Ca- Canadian. Like I said Canada today. Like it you, just, just, you just said Cancun. <laughs> I like who am I? It's my A's are going completely rogue. I I I have no, Why is I have that? no excuse. I don't know. I don't know. Canada. <laughs> okay. All right. All right. Cancun. Cancun. <laughs> all right. So. <laughs> ah, I, that's, that's all I got. What's up, Gina? All right. Cool. So when this comes out, it will be Nick's 41st birthday. Last year at this time, we were talking about his 40th, how he's over the hill. I don't know if you recall that conversation. <laughs> I do. <laughs> Poor guy. You're so, yeah. sending him over a decade early. <laughs> I know. I looked it up. We were both right. It's 50-50. Um, so he's right. already a full 50 year. years of age. No. Over the hill. <laughs> nice try. Um, <laughs> so he's a full year into his 40th decade, which is crazy. Is he thriving um, or just surviving? I he's, think he's thriving. I mean, I really that five-mile race, I feel like he's killing his 40s. Yeah. He quit drinking. He's running. He's using his spinner. <laughs> Did I... Did I ever tell you what, okay, have you ever done this? Actually, there was a, they gave it a name on the Today Show the other day where when, do you ever have like Mark's family ask you what he wants for Christmas or for his birthday and then you tell them something that you want? (laughs) You've done that? Oh, no. Oh. Why would you do that? I'm just kidding. No, I've never done that before. (laughs) (laughs) All right, greedy. What's up? Okay, so- for his 40th birthday, he I was like, Nick, what do you want? And he was like, I don't know. And he wouldn't tell me. I'm just like, okay, well, we really, I didn't tell him this, but I'm like, we need a new spin bike. <laughs> and I just didn't like the one we had. It was cheap. I think I bought it. I got a used, I don't know, um, surplus sale somewhere for maybe like 50 bucks. It was a piece of crap. So I was like, well, he could use a new spin bike because he's been t- telling me that he wants to start, you know, riding the bike. So his mom and sister bought him a new spin bike, which of course I use more than he does, but he does use it and he's been using it more often than ever before. So even though it was really a gift for me, it is something that he's been enjoying. So yes, he is thriving for sure. Uh, So we are recording this a little bit early and hopefully by the time this comes out, we will be celebrating an Ohio State National Championship victory. I really hope that I'm not going to eat my words, but I'm assuming we will not. Who are you playing? Well, we don't know yet. We don't even know if we're going to be in the national championship yet. We have one more oh, um, game against Clemson. Yeah. Okay. It's, it's weird now. There's so many. It used so to be. what bowl you know, game are you guys going to? Oh, gosh. I don't even know what bowl game. I know we're playing Clemson on the 28th, but I'm not even sure which bowl it is. Oh, you Ohio State fans. 
I know. I'm just so used to winning. I don't even <laughs> think about what bowl it is. <laughs> so if we win that, you're we'll all go to the, the same, you Buckeyes. You're all the same. <laughs> don't be jealous. Cocky. <laughs> Confident. Right? <laughs> all right. <laughs> all right. So that's all I got. Nothing else. Nothing else. All right. Nope. Well, let's tell some folks what's going on between the difference between a dietitian and a nutritionist, because a yeah, lot of people do not know this. Mm-hmm. And for all the dietitians and dietitians to be uh, out there listening, you, this is this is hot topic. I mean, this this is the kind of stuff that gets under their skin right along with spelling dietitian wrong. Yes. Um, but many people mistakenly use the terms interchangeably. And while the two professions are undoubtedly related, there are significant differences. The biggest of which is is the legal restrictions or uh, that each child car- title carries. And so only nutritionists that go on to become registered with the Commission on Dietetic Registration or CDR may legally declare themselves as dietitians or more precisely registered dietitians. Uh, so, and that credential ensures that RDs have met the required level of education and continuing education to practice in the field. And so unlike dietitians, uh, the nutritionist profession is much less protected under the law. And in fact, nutritionists do not intend uh, to use the title, nutritionists that do not uh, use the title of dietitian um, or registered dietitian or have that title are free of any type of government regulation. So in essence, anyone's a a nutritionist. If you eat food, you're a nutritionist. Everybody's a nutritionist. Um, Mm -hmm. That makes us all an expert, right? If you you put food in your mouth. So, Mm -hmm. you know, dietitian is really kind of that legally um, regulated, if you will, uh, profession. So, and there's a lot of requirements to become an RD that many people don't know. One of which is a bachelor's degree from a school that's accredited by the Commission on Accreditation for Dietetics Education or CADE. And then going on to complete six to 12 months of work in a CADE accredited practice program or dietetic internship is what it's most often referred to as. Mm -hmm. And then we have to go on and pass the CDR test or commonly referred to as boards. And I did not fact check this, but I want to say very soon, and I have 2025 in here, but I think it's earlier, uh, dietitians will be required to have a master's. It's 2025. You're correct. Thank you. All right. Okay. I thought it was sooner for some reason, but, and I should know that you have your master's. Yes. As, okay. And as do I. So um, I think a lot of dietitians are kind of going that route already. Um, and we have a question on that in in a bit. Mm-hmm. Uh, according yep. to the Bureau of Labor Statistics, employment of dietitians and nutritionists is projected to grow 11%. Um, oh, wow. Yeah. Between 2018 and 2028 which is deemed much faster than the average for all other occupations. So that's wow. good. Um, and so the role really here of, of food in preventing and treating diseases such as diabetes, you know, we know that there's that link now. And so hello, freaking Luya. I mean, you know, hello, um, this should not be a surprise. So we just have a bunch of discussion questions. And I think this is the best way to really kind of, um, just kind of dive into our paths to becoming a dietitian and and really just kind of some nitty gritty that people might be interested in learning more about. So Gina, what initially drew you to the field of dietetics and at what age did you kind of know that you wanted to be a dietitian? So my answer is not the best. My mom is and was a nurse 
And I was always interested and she got me interested at a very young age and just eating healthy and learning about health and wellness. She was always talking about it and, you know, teaching me things. And I was really interested in it, mainly from her. And I knew I did not want to be a nurse because I despised blood. And I was like, I want to teach people about nutrition and eating healthy. But then I sort of veered into thinking that maybe I want to actually be a a journalist. So I decided I wanted to go to journalism school. And in applying to college, I realized, oh, wait, in order to become a journalist, I had to take a language. I hate languages. Hmm. What can I do that doesn't involve uh, a language? So I went to Miami University. I start looking at all at the catalog of the different, um, you know, bachelor degree options. And I'm like, dietetics. What in the world is dietetics? You know, at that time, I no one really it was it was fairly new, I would say. It wasn't it wasn't new. It's been around for a long, long time, but it was becoming what it is today. And it used to be something completely different. Would you agree? Yeah. More like home economics is what it kind of. <laughs> You know, working yeah. in the in the kitchen and yeah. <laughs> so it's very, very different now. Um, so I'm like, okay, well, so I looked into this. I'm like, this is exactly what I want to do. I will also say at the time I had full-blown anorexia. I realized I was really good about choosing what foods to eat and how to lose weight. So I can teach others how to do the same thing. How sick I know. Um, but that's really what got me into dietetics. I signed up for it. I didn't have to apply to be in the dietetics program. I just applied to go to Miami and got in. And therefore, I was automatically enrolled in the dietetics program, which I know is different in a lot of schools now because it just wasn't as competitive back then. Mm-hmm. But yeah, then I, I, I never looked back. And thankfully, even though it worked out that way and that I chose my career path in a very strange and odd way, it worked out for me because I think from the beginning, I, I really knew I wanted to educate and teach about nutrition, even though I didn't really know how. I, I was thinking I'd become a journalist, a journalist, and maybe you know do you know stories on eating well and all that, kind of a backwards way of doing it. Um, but I was really happy that I landed on dietetics, even though I it didn't happen the way maybe your story m- might be a little bit more, I don't know, awe inspiring. <laughs> No, definitely not. But I do know the journalism piece. That's interesting. Yeah, I definitely considered it. I think it's a fair statement to say that a lot of people land in dietetics because of a history of disordered eating, eating disorders, something along those lines. I wonder what the percentage is, but I would say it's probably above 50%. I would not be surprised by that. Kind of a general fixation on food and counting calories and monitoring what you eat. So why not teach other people how to do the same thing? Yeah. And interestingly, I I mean, for the most part, I feel, and it's kind of through that recovery process that you're like, yep, this is what I meant to do. Right. Because you kind of see both ends of the spectrum. And not to say, I want to kind of take back what I just said. I mean, that's what I thought at the time. Like I thought what I was doing was right. Looking back, obviously that is not the person I am mm-hmm. and not the dietitian that I am either. I'm not sitting around telling people what to eat and what not to eat, how to lose weight. That is, you know, maybe what I thought going into it, but absolutely not what I am today. Mm-hmm. So yeah. yeah, for me, it was my own weight loss journey and kind of newfound lifestyle of health and wellness right around the age of 13, 14. So pretty young. 
uh, that I felt drawn to nutrition and dietetics. So I felt super fortunate going into college that I knew exactly what I wanted to do. And I felt really bad for my friends who were just lost souls. They're like, I'm going to major in this or I'm going to major in that. And they had no idea what they were going to do with it. Um, Mm -hmm. I was never that person. So that was nice. What was the most challenging part of being a dietetics major? Okay, I saw your answer, and I might as well just go <laughs> ahead and say All those capital it as well. letters. <laughs> mm-hmm. Yeah, hard to miss. But actually, you have biochemistry on here. Mine was just chemistry in general, because biochemistry was all mem- memorization for me. When I took biochemistry, it was basically we just had to memorize everything. Mm-hmm. You can't memorize your way out of chemistry. There's just no way. I absolutely hated chemistry, but I despised chemistry labs. I mean, I would dread those things. I would rather go in and get, you know, four cavities installed. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. So like Krebs cycle and all that crap, you were, you enjoyed that more than like a chem lab. Yes, definitely. Mm -hmm. Because it was more relatable. The Krebs cycle is something that I understand. I would, I, I can understand why I would need to know that for my profession. Yeah. Why I'm using beakers to measure out milliliters and of of acid and bases. It just didn't, wasn't something I was going to do with the rest of my life. Mm -hmm. Why am I needing to do this to become a dietitian? Mm -hmm. It didn't make sense. I I couldn't relate to it. How many labs do you think? And my labs were always like three to four hours. Yes. Um, And they always started at 8am. How many, how many labs, honestly, how many days a week were you in lab? I want to say just one. Oh, okay. Were you in more than one? I always have lab twice a week. Oh, either maybe Monday, I did Monday, Wednesday, or Tuesday, Thursday. Uh, four, maybe I did. Probably five or six semesters. I think I've blocked this out of my mind. Mm-hmm. Rightfully so. so. And, and you know what else was terrible was OCHEM. Did you take OCHEM? Yeah. Oh gosh. So I, by the time I had completed all of my required chemistry classes for dietetics. I had mm-hmm. one one hour lab course to take to get my minor. And I was like, oh, hell yeah. Like we're going all the way. So I actually have a minor in chemistry. Oh, oh my gosh. Yeah. Ask That's me how really much I funny. hate chemistry. I really hate chemistry. Oh um, but I think to your point, when you get into nutritional biochemistry and things like that, it, it's it, you're kind of like, uh-huh. For me, uh, I, I feel like all of those courses would have been more meaningful after, say, two or three years in the field um, mm-hmm. or even in grad school. You know, that was more meaningful. Undergrad, mm-hmm. I was like, yeah, oh, yeah. yeah. I, I thank that. God I had. And she's she was a sorority um, sister. <laughs> I feel like such a dork saying <laughs> sister. that. sister. <laughs> and she we when we lived in the house together, she lived right down the hallway from me and she went into food science. And she I want to say she works at Pepsi now. But anyway, she's still a food scientist and she loved labs. And I was always like, Lisa, help me. Lisa, help me. And she's like, oh, my God, this is so easy. Nicole. I'm like, screw you like <laughs> I wouldn't I wouldn't have passed without her so I uh, yeah Ugh, everyone's gotta have one of those yep. yeah you everyone needs a Lisa mm-hmm. so internships <laughs> are required for those becoming a dietitian like we said and yet the match rate is not 50% I wrote 50% but it's actually going up so it was 66 read it today in today's dietitian oh, um, but still it's an insufficient number of dietetic internships available for the number of students applying so what advice would you give to those entering the field um, you know, kind of with with those known barriers to access. 
Mm -hmm. So I'm just curious because you just read this today. Did they say anything about is that is that the first round matching? Because Mm. there's three total rounds. So if you don't get matched the first round, you can then reapply or not reapply, but you get matched. You can get matched on the second round or the third round. I thought there was only two, but I'm sure you're more well read on this. It's been 10 years since I. Maybe I made that up. I, I know there's at least one more round where. You know, a lot of people, I've known a couple people who have not gotten that first match, but then they got it into this in the second round. So I'm wondering. Spring and fall, right? I um, No, it's pretty. No, it's it's spring. And then like a month later. Oh, they do it pretty quickly. It was such a stressful time. I think I blocked all that out. But mm-hmm. still, the match rate is only two thirds. And that's actually okay. improved from 50 percent several years ago. Yeah. Yeah. I, so I guess my. So you said, what advice would I give? I, well, and while you think of that, maybe. So just for those who, because to my knowledge, it hasn't changed. When you're applying to internships, you more or less apply to programs that you are willing to go to. And you go through a mutual ranking process. So the school, you rank your schools based on preference. So that may include curriculum. It may include cost, location, things like that. But the schools are also ranking their applicants. And it goes through this right. um, system that has some type of algorithm that then spits out, boom, here's where you're going. So for example, mm-hmm. I applied to six schools and I got matched with my number three or four. And mm-hmm. um, thank God, because my first two were based on cost. My second one was based on location. Um, and then my fourth one, unfortunately, was like the most expensive one, but I think it was the right program for me. So okay. I, I think it all worked out, but- Well, you applied to six. I applied to three. I, well, I knew- yeah, but I wanted to get matched. Yeah, true. You know, I I think another good piece of advice is, it, even though it's a lot easier said than done, because I think I probably would have been distraught if I hadn't been matched. Looking back, you know, if you don't get matched into an internship, you then have a whole year to get some serious experience under your belt. And I don't know anyone who's applied a second time who hasn't gotten matched the second time. Mm-hmm. Uh, so I, I really think just taking full advantage of that time that you're off when you, if you don't get matched, don't, obviously you're not going to give up. You've just, you know, done four years of your undergraduate degree, maybe even done a master's degree, depending on, you know, where you are. And just, I think the best advice is just, just to not give up and to use and take advantage of that year that you have quote unquote off and do something that would be, you know, that you would be doing in your job as a dietitian, you know, working in a hospital or working in a food service industry or working in a gym, something that will look good on a resume and that you can write about when you're applying again the next year. Mm-hmm. Use that to your advantage. Mm-hmm. So working in the field, you would say, as much as Definitely. Yeah. Oh, absolutely. Yep. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, I, I, I said the same, you know, get as much experience as you can and network like crazy. I think the other thing that just kind of popped to mind is coordinated programs. You could simply target going to a coordinated program where that's your internship would be embedded with your undergraduate degree. Mm-hmm. Those are harder to get into, but yes, those do exist. They do cut a lot less some time. Pressure. Yeah, true. A L- little yep. less risky on the back end. Um, mm-hmm. But I mean, most students pursuing dietetics have fantastic grades, great standardized test mm-hmm. scores. So you have to be willing to do what it takes to set yourself apart. When I was an undergrad- it's very competitive. Um, I You would think we made millions and millions of dollars. Um, <laughs> but I wrote and developed education materials for private practice dietitians. I worked in the hospital kitchen just taking food orders like in the little 
you know, call-in area. Um, Mm -hmm. I wrote PSAs and other short works for local RDs. Get involved in like the nerdy stuff that is just like resume fluff, like the Student Dietetic Association. Uh, Most campuses have a, you know, with a dietetics program will have something like that. So yeah, get, get nerdy and beef up your resume. Yeah, I I am actually in charge of reading about 10 to 15 applicants' resume. We have so many people who apply to the university where I work to their internship. They actually um, disseminate uh, uh, resumes for people in the field to help with. So I have to read about 10 to 15 of them. And oh my gosh, these people are amazing. Mm-hmm. I don't know how I got into it. I don't know that I would be able to, I, I don't mean to be a doggy downer. I mean, really what you're saying is, is all true. Do as much as you can um, without going crazy you know, volunteer, but also have a paying job that you don't just do for six months before you apply to your internship. You need to start doing it like right when you start in college. You know, I worked in food service my entire college career. I worked at two different places. I tutored kids in nutrition. I had like three jobs. I mean, there were so many things that I did. I worked at a hospital um, as like kind of like a DTR. Mm-hmm. And don't just get jobs that don't have anything to do with dietetics. Get a job that will be something that actually um, help you, will actually help you in your internship. You know, I, I read some resumes. I worked at a floral shop or I was a hostess at a, at a restaurant. If you're going to work in a restaurant, you know, be a waitress or, you know, even be a, a line cook. Mm-hmm. Um, do something that actually involves food, not, you know, bussing tables or being a hostess. Um, so something that will actually pertain to, you know, dietetics or, mm-hmm. you know, your internship. Yeah, yeah, definitely. Going into school, uh, what area of dietetics did you picture yourself working in? And did this change mm-hmm. during and after your internship process? Is it different from today? Absolutely. I would say that I always assumed I was going to have my own nutrition consulting business. I specifically wanted to focus on weight loss. Uh, which is funny because now my passion is very much on intuitive eating. And not that I can't still have a passion on weight loss, but I am very much a fan of the, you know, health at every size approach. I don't think of weight um, as much anymore as I did as a student. That is for sure. I would, I never would have expected I would be working for a university uh, food service, focusing on helping students with food allergies. I just really wanted to have my own business. You know, from our last episode, I kind of spoke to my controlling nature. I always wanted to be a boss. And while I am a boss, it's not quite to the same capacity as I as I once imagined. Mm -hmm. What about you? Yeah, similar. I, I pictured myself working in weight loss or counseling, private practice, something along those lines. I always thought, Na- that was a natural fit. Um, but that changed a lot during my internship. I, I, d- I was very interested in clinical. I would say nutrition support. So that would be like enteral and parenteral nutrition or tube feedings, perhaps for kind of the layman out there. Um, trauma. I can remember my my clinicals were done at a level one trauma. I mean, that was fascinating. Um, I love guts, blood, all that kind of stuff. Like that was great for me. Um, but I, when I got to my food service rotation, I was very apprehensive, um, but I ended up loving it. I love the pace. I love that new, no two days were the same. Um, you know, that's one of my biggest complaints about my job is it's so sedentary. It's my office is right off a waiting room. Like I don't go anywhere. So when I have Mm -hmm. offsite meetings and stuff, just being able to get up and walk or drive, I'm like, Oh, thank God. Um, (laughs) But I mean, there are days I leave the office and I have 2000 steps I'm like, oh, oh my I'm gosh, just my job is killing me. Um, 
But, you know, today I'm much more drawn to leadership and chronic disease uh, prevention and treatment in health systems and communities. And I've been in leadership, uh, a leadership position for the past eight years. And I, I love having a team, uh, problem solving, all that kind of stuff. Um, yeah. Everything I don't like to do in my personal life, I like to do at work. Um, <laughs> thinking back to our last question, though, <laughs> this is a shameless plug. But for students looking to gain experience, too, think of things from afar as well. So find people with blogs or podcasts. And mm -hmm. I'm not just saying mm -hmm. that because we have both of those things. But those are areas where from your couch, you could be beefing up your resume and doing things virtually, even through email. All I mean, that is an option. So mm -hmm. don't don't count those out. Agreed. Um, yeah. Uh, a little bit of a personal question. Does compensation impact uh, kind of where you landed in the nutrition field? I, you know, I, I would say no. I don't, obviously diet, dietitians just don't make that much. And there's, it's not really, there's not much of a range unless you're in private practice where you have more of an ability to kind of make more or less. I think food service, if you look up, you know, which dietitians make more, more money, generally food service is pretty high up there, but also management, which is what you're doing. Uh, I certainly have applied for other jobs and been offered them. And they have come in at very, very low amounts of money that I could mm -hmm. not even accept. Mm -hmm. So I guess in that regards, yes, you know, where I am is based on compensation. Um, also, I work for a company that has really great benefits, which is a huge reason for why I stay there and why a lot of people stay there. I mean, the benefits are just fantastic. Um, so I guess compensation, not necessarily monetarily, but um, benefits wise, I guess mm -hmm. I, the answer would be yes. Yes. Yeah. And, you know, in kind of just doing some research for this show, looking, I mean, obviously nutrition is a female dominated, um, you know, workforce. And with that comes ch children and maternity leaves and things like that. Mm -hmm. And so the flexibility of a lot of dietitians' jobs is pretty high and that that's important as well. So uh, yeah. for me personally, no, it wasn't compensation that drew me to leadership, for example, but just a desire to stretch myself um, professionally kind of came first. Um, but that, you know, as, as you said, that's, that's definitely led to a more lucrative career. Um, but also things just like, you know, my health system, and I, I think it's pretty typical across the board, a dietitian who's also a certified diabetes educator, for example, is going to make a lot mm -hmm. more money. Mm -hmm. um, mm -hmm. So you could look at specialization, even in the hospitals, looking at um, certified in nutrition support. So yeah. you could you could kind of specialize and and gain, gain a competitive edge there salary wise. So some stuff to think I about. Agree. Are there yep. any experiences from your internship that stick out to you? Yeah, so I have in here, I, I was definitely still suffering from my eating disorder during my internship, which is really sad for me to say because I feel like I miss out on a lot of valuable time and information. Not to say that I didn't, you know, I don't remember my internship or that I didn't, uh, you know, thoroughly enjoy it because I really, really did. And I loved the other girls. They were all girls at the time. Um, which I, I, you know, I, what, what percent of, of dietitians are men? I, maybe like 5%, but they did happen to be all girls in my, in my group. We had so much fun, but I know it would have been such a different experience had I not had an eating disorder for, for numerous reasons. I will say though, I remember very much loving um, the part in the food service where I kind of acted as a diet tech, which basically what I remember loving is putting together trays for the patients on the different floors. So they would print out a ticket that said something like a soft diet or a bland diet or a heart healthy diet. And then we'd have to 
um, put together their tray based on, you know, what they can and, and cannot have, what textured foods they can have and you know, how much fat and cholesterol and sugar they could have. I loved doing that. I also really enjoyed my time at the Veterans Affairs Hospital or the VA. A lot of it was just it was inpatient and it was a bunch of generally men and coming in who had, you know, high cholesterol or diabetes. And we just did consults with them all day long for, you know, an hour at a time. And I just really, really enjoyed that. What about you? I'm reading my answer and I don't like it anymore. Um, (laughs) I don't know. I don't know what sticks out to me, but I think just go in with an open mind. I think if you go in Mm -hmm. expecting that you're going to hate a rotation or an area Mm -hmm. of dietetics, uh, just don't write it off before you've tried it. I Mm -hmm. think that's the the biggest thing. Um, Yeah. Because I love the NICU and the trauma. If I had to do that today, I would want to gouge my eyes out every single day of my life. I mean, think looking at like, I mean, preemie babies that are, you know, have an NG tube. I mean, they have, yeah, of course they need nutrition. That's such an important job. I am not the person for that job. Yeah. I do not want to calculate three mLs an hour worth of nutrition. I I mean, to me, that is just, I don't like math enough for that probably. Um, It's sad. I feel like it just Mm -hmm. takes a special person to gravitate towards that work. And again, it's just not me. Yeah. I'm not a clinical person at all anyway. I actually I know kind of didn't do what you just suggested. I went into my clinicals thinking I'm gonna hate this. And I did. Maybe it's because <laughs> I went in with a, com- a completely pessimistic attitude, but I just was never into clinicals. I can remember my internship director saying to me, Gina, you cannot become a dietitian without first getting clinical experience. And I said, Watch me. Mm-hmm. So I've never once been a clinical dietitian and I never will be. It's just not mm-hmm. Not my desire, not my strength. I, okay. I, I did think of one experience and it was working for, or not w- interning at WIC, um, Women and Infant and Children. And we were doing mm-hmm. house calls. And I remember going to a home um, in a not so great neighborhood that you could see through the floorboards of the home to like the dirt mm-hmm. um, crawl space beneath, uh, roaches everywhere, um, mm. you know, cigarette burns all over the couch. And seeing a child, I don't think there was heat in this home. It was probably winter. And seeing a child, you know, we learn about rickets, um, which is caused mm-hmm. from vitamin D deficiency. Um, and this, and it, it's classic sign is a bowing of the legs where almost you could fit a ball between a child's knees. Um, mm-hmm. Like, and in this child's instance, you could have fit a basketball between her knees. Oh and I was gosh. like, holy crap, like rickets. You know, I, I, it was just one of those things where it was like, it just killed you. You know, I mean, like, it, you, you imagine that in third world countries, but it's right, right in your backyard, basically. Right. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. And, and I also, we saw a, a patient or a woman who had been in the office. Um, I had run out. I, she was getting um, like vouchers or whatever it is for formula and blah, 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 blah. Anyway, I went to go fill up my gas tank at lunch um, and I saw her outside the grocery store selling them. And I was like, you know, this just, my heart can't handle this. Um, and and that was an experience where I was like, yep, can't do WIC. Um just not emotionally capable, <laughs> honestly. Yeah. I just I, I just agree couldn't. with you. Mm-hmm. Um, I forgot about that experience. But and there are people who absolutely. I have a friend who's been working for WIC for fifteen years, and she loves it. And loves it. Mm-hmm. Yeah. That's- oh, and I'm sure there's so many great stories. I just yes didn't happen to experience. I mean, WIC is obviously mm-hmm. a, a government program that has stood the test of time and offers so many benefits to women and children. Mm-hmm. But um, the tough stuff is is there and. Um, yeah, it can be hard. 
can be challenging. So what advice um, would you give to those interested in pursuing dietetics or currently pursuing their RD? Yeah. So this goes without saying, I think we've already kind of alluded to this, but do not go into it for the money, <laughs> go into it for the passion. And I think that there's a lot of careers like that. There really are, but it's definitely true of dietetics. Don't get into it because you think you're going to make a lot of money. Go into it because it's really something you truly want to do um, for you know whatever reason it is. Um, and I think also, and this is something that I tell all the students that I talk to, especially if they're leaning towards not doing this, but just just basically what I say is get your master's degree. I know mm-hmm. it's not 2025 right now and it's not required at this point, but if you don't get your master's degree in six years, all the incoming you know dietitians are going to be so far ahead of you simply for having that master's degree on their resume. There are so many jobs that will look um, towards someone who has their master's degree versus someone who's been doing, you know, dietetics for five years. Mm-hmm. Having your master's degree will make you more money in the long run. I know it's not all about money, but that is kind of a nice perk. Um, and if it's again, if, if if you are up against someone else and, you know, you're, you guys are neck and neck, you guys both did well in your interview, you both have good experience, but that person has a master's degree, they're going to win out. So the best advice I can give to anyone, especially if they're not, if they're considering just becoming a dietitian and then moving on with their career, is to really think about that for a second and and consider going and getting your master's degree. Mm-hmm. Yeah. What about you? Yeah, agreed with everything you said. I think shadowing dietitians as much as possible to get a real feel for what their job is like mm-hmm. on a day to day basis is super important. Um, once upon a time <laughs> with my rose, rose colored glasses, I'd assume, you know, this is going back to like, oh, I'm going to be in private practice and counseling. Um, I, I figured I'd only work with motivated, appreciative individuals and my work, um, <laughs> you know, would just really, you know, deliver me to pay individuals who, um, you know, are in the contemplation phase of behavior change. And we're just going to make all the progress in the world. And mm-hmm. let me tell you, I, I don't see a ton of patients anymore. My my caseload tend to be my my people who I've been seeing for years and years. Um, but that is simply just not the case, um, especially if you're working in a referral based department such as, you know, mine. People often arrive at, at very different points in their journey, if you will. Mm-hmm. And, you know, motivational interviewing and and kind of locating that locus of control and intrinsic motivation can be hugely, hugely challenging. Um, yeah. And, you know, I've had conversations with patients where it's like, hey, you know, we're not we're you can't show back up and not I'm like I'm, I'm going to discharge you like and it's not threatening. It's it's you don't want to draw out a process that they're not ready for. Um, I would rather send yes. someone on their way because they're not at a point of readiness and know that they can come back, you know, into my loving open arms whenever the time is right for them. Um, but it's it's just a waste of time, money, resources when when the person's not there. Um, so I think being prepared to work with undermotivated and challenging um, people is is something to definitely expect. Um, be open to gaining new experiences in the field and trying different things. And I will say this is on account of our relocation status uh, early on in our marriage. But by the time I was 26, I had worked in outpatient diabetes. Uh, nutrition, di- like nutrition, medical nutrition therapy, I guess you could say outpatient dialysis. I had taught at the college level and I had worked in food service management. Mm-hmm. So I had a ton of different experiences and one just kind of leapt into the next. Um, and so don't 
don't get too wed to something if if you're feeling like it might not be the right fit. I think mm-hmm. early on in your career is the best time to kind of try your hand at different things. So um, Agreed. And and with that, to just kind of echo what you said about the master's degree, had I not pursued my master's, I would have never been able to teach at the college level. And that was really fun for me. I was barely older than my students, um, but they that it was great. They were all very, mm-hmm. I mean, I had a ton of students that were significantly older than me too, kind of going back for a second career. Um, mm-hmm. it, and it was great. It was a great experience. Yeah. Same thing. I mean, I work for a university and I have a full-time job there, but I also teach one class there. And the only reason I'm able to do that is because I have a master's degree. Mm-hmm. So I, I, I echo what you just said. Yep. So hot topic. What's mm-hmm. your opinion on the dietitian or registered dietitian credential changing from registered dietitian to registered dietitian nutritionist. Yeah, I, everything that you have on here, which I will let you go ahead and say, I completely agree with. I just think it adds more confusion. Mm-hmm. And I also think that if they're not gonna, it needs to be consistent. Like either tell us that we have to use it or not. Because now I, I see some signatures say RD, others say RDN, and it's just confusing. Totally. Especially you know, for the lay public specifically. Mm-hmm. I hate it. I think it's ridiculous. Um, dietitians have forever been differentiating. Like, I'm a dietitian. I'm not a nutritionist. And now it's mm-hmm. almost like we're like, well, if we can't beat them, let's join them. That is the yes. biggest bull. Um, and I, I hate that I have such a, here's my, here's my reactivity. Um, I hate that I have that reaction Simmer to down, it. Simmer down, Nicole. Um, to, and, you know, I don't want to like throw our professional organization under the bus, even though I just did, but <laughs> it's, it just doesn't seem necessary. On the flip side, um, here's, here's a, another change going on. So I'm also a certified diabetes educator, um, and that credential is being updated to diabetes care and education specialist um, through AADE. And I actually like that um, huh. because it better reflects the educator as kind of the cornerstone of the diabetes care team. Um, and it's just fitting because the work of a CDE goes so far beyond education. Um, I mean, when you're adjusting medications and working in depth with disease management, I'm you're talking retinal exams, foot exams, um, you know, microalbumin. When you're at that level of clinical care in a specialized, you know, disease, you're not an mm-hmm. educator. I mean, you're you're a you're diabetes expert. Yeah. Yep. Um, so I I do appreciate that change. I don't love the verbiage. Um, but kind of long. <laughs> it's kind of long. Yeah, it's a little wordy. Um, so I, I already talked about my our, our last question is what other certifications? And I said I was a CD. Yeah. I'm also board certified in advanced diabetes management. And the only reason for that was at the time I sat for the board certification, which you need a master's for as well. Um, I was not accruing a ton of hours towards my CDE, which is a thousand, whereas the board certification was 500. So I sat for the board certification. And then when I got my current role, um, they wanted me to have the CDE. So I actually have both, which is kind of crazy. Um, and I was previously, which you probably, maybe you are a certified dietary manager, but I allowed that to lapse. No, I am not actually. I, not. I was okay. a, no, a certified dietary manager. Is that in the food service you mean? Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So you mean like a DTR? No, it's a CDM. What's the difference? Uh, I don't it doesn't matter. Know. It doesn't matter. <laughs> <laughs> Whatever. <laughs> okay. That's so a, here's no, that's what a good I question. have. Um, so I think a lot of CDMs are going to come out of, I, I, you don't need, I think, even a, an associate's degree. I think it's a course okay. 
and then a test. Um, Hopefully, but it's I didn't a just lot. It's all like DTRs. serve safe on steroids. Okay. Okay. So it's 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 a step under a DTR. I think you actually have to get a couple years of. Probably. There's actually a program yes. for DTRs. Yes. Okay. It, which is an associates, um, I believe. Okay. All right. Yeah. So I don't have either of those. I am serve safe certified because I've worked in food service almost my entire life. I did do the adult weight management certification through AND, the Academy of Nutrition and Dietetics, a couple of years ago. I would love to do the second one of that. Haven't been able to do that yet. And I'm currently working on my intuitive eating certificate. I would love to become a certified diabetes educator, especially now that I am a little bit more um, close to that personally. Mm -hmm. The only thing is, is that I just don't work in diabetes. So it would just take, I don't know that I'd ever even be able to fulfill those hours without getting another job. True. True state. It's a lot of hours. Yeah. Yeah. Do you like meds? I do. I do enjoy, yes, that. You like meds, um, you like insulin, all that. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah. I think I would, I think I would enjoy that, but I had to get an entirely different career, and I'm just not ready for that quite yet, <laughs> if at all. <laughs> totally. All right. Well, that kind of wraps up that part of uh, the show. What? What? Any mom wins? Favorite new products? Recipes? Yeah. So this is super boring, but I'm going to go ahead and share it anyway because I've been kind of in a packed lunch recipe lag for sure lately. Uh, so pa- I've been packing peanut butter and jelly sandwiches for pages that does not eat them anymore. So I kind of gave up. And one day I took those Belveda crackers, the chocolate ones, and I used those as her bread and I put peanut butter in between them. And she absolutely loves them. I've been putting them in her lunch daily um, for the past probably couple of weeks. So it's, all it is is this Belveda crackers. I buy the peanut butter ones. They also come in cinnamon or blueberry. There's probably several other flavors, but I just buy the chocolate ones. And then I smear peanut butter in it, close it together, done. It's like a peanut butter and jelly sandwich, but with crackers and not without the jelly. So that was kind of my my product of the of the week, I would say, or of the last two weeks. I next I just need to make sure that Cameron will eat that as well with sun butter because he's going to preschool. Actually, by the time this comes out, he will be already in preschool. He will have started preschool and I have to pack his lunch as well, but he's gonna be in a nut free room. Mm-hmm. And he loves peanut butter. So I'm a little bit nervous about that. But I completely, <laughs> completely understand and empathize with, um, you know, the school and, and, the, and the parents of, of the kids who have allergies. So I get it. Yeah, I just listened to our last podcast because I listened to our own podcast. Um, I hopefully other podcasters listen to their own show. I would hope um, so. Oh, geez. But yeah, she did a great job talking about um, her daughter with food allergies. So yeah, she totally. did. Thank you, um, Rachel. <laughs> yeah, I would say my my mom win, which uh, the kids the kids did pretty good with it. It's it's definitely a, a more adult uh, refined taste uh, recipe, but it was a pork tenderloin uh, with butternut squash and Brussels sprouts. You kind of brown the pork tenderloin on the stovetop, and then you threw it on your sheet pan. But it had this balsamic vinegar, rosemary, garlic sauce that you just whizzed up in the food processor and served with everything. Yeah. Holy moly! It was. Will you so put good. that in our show notes? Yes, and I just finished it leftovers tonight. It was. Um, nice. And that perfect for so fall. Good. Yeah. Okay. So I'll read a review. Um, Lori Binder wrote, and if it's the Lori Binder I know, I think it's through the blog world um, mm-hmm. and social media. She said, I love these ladies. Great information in a fun, exciting manner. Listen, you won't regret it. Come join the podcast gang. So thanks, Lori. <laughs> podcast gang. I like that. Yeah. Awesome. All right. So coming up on January 19th, we will be dishing up. Oh. <laughs> 
we'll be dishing up our next live taste test, cereal and granola. And I believe we are planning on having our, our girls be on that as well, aren't we, Nicole? Sure. Whatever you say, <laughs> I think we talked about that. We'll, we'll, we'll figure that out. Okay. Until then, keep in touch with us on social media at Dietitian's Dish Podcast on both Facebook and Instagram. And check out all of our episodes and show notes on our website, dietitiansdishpodcast.com. Also, please tell your friends about us. They can find us on numerous outlets such as Overcast, iTunes, Stitcher, Spotify, and Pocket Cast. If you listen on iTunes, be sure to leave us a review. We promise it only takes a few seconds and you don't even have to write anything. Just fill out the stars. Okay, until next time, everyone be well and Nicole will talk to you soon. Take care. Thanks, Gina. Bye-bye. Bye. Thank you for listening for the podcast. Bye-bye.